2: Fast talk, street talk, Mike Graham. Fighting the good fight with all his might. Providing a welcome dose of common sense for the common people.
3: Solid talk, hot talk. The independent republic of Mike Graham. On the app, on your smart speaker, talk radio and talk TV.
4: Good morning and welcome to Coronation Week on Talk TV. This is, of course, the one place to be where it's all going to be happening, uh, where everybody will be, because this is what you need to see. This is what you need to hear. We're going to be talking this morning about a great many things, including, of course, uh, the NHS strike. I walked past the picket line this morning. Two people were on it uh Two socialist brothers and sisters, in fact, he might have been two women, Uh, NHS workers on strike today from cancer departments of the NHS. I mean, you can't get any lower than that. They're also talking about going on strike at Great Ormond Street, the hospital for sick children. That's nice, isn't it? I mean, these absolute loony lefties need to be culled completely from the public sector. They need to be taken out and given their marching orders, they need to be told, we do not want you here. If you are a nurse and you want to go out on strike instead of treating people with cancer, I think you're in the wrong job. It's quite that simple. There is nothing else for it. We'll be talking as well about the Ramoners. Uh, All weekend they've been complaining that Brexit has caused all sorts of things from, you know, not being able to get to France to not being able to fill jobs to not being able to actually um, trade with other countries to not be able to do anything uh, that's shutting down bars shutting down restaurants, it's not doing any of those things. Uh, Europe all all over the place is completely in the grip uh, of what can only be described as post lockdown mania because Businesses are going out of business because of the lockdown. Businesses haven't got enough money because of the soaring energy prices. It's happening all over Europe. It's not just happening here. We'll talk about that. We'll also talk about migration because you might be thinking about the migrant bill, uh, the illegal migrant bill, which is going through the Houses of Parliament. But what you should be thinking about is the legal migration into this country. Robert Colwell wrote a great piece in the Sunday Times at the weekend in which he said that there's something like half a million people coming in net every single year. That's an awful lot more than the people coming on small boats, which doesn't mean that people coming on small boats are okay, because they shouldn't be coming either. But if you're getting half a million people a, uh, a year coming in, for those of you at the back, how many is that after 10 years? Mm, it's quite a lot, isn't it? And we're not building enough houses for them either. 03444991000. 4, I'll also be asking you this question. Why on earth is the editor of this particular socialist rag still employed? Catherine Viner, this is a woman uh, who allowed Diane Abbott to write a piece, uh, a letter into the Observer, which was anti-Semitic. Uh, they're so anti-Semitic at the Observer, they didn't even think it was a story. They just thought it was a great letter. They had published it. Then they were forced to retract it and take it off their website. Then they did a cartoon of uh, Richard Sharp, the outgoing head of the BBC, who happens to be Jewish. But they drew a very anti-Semitic cartoon, which has also now been removed from their website. Uh, There's now people from the Board of Deputies, the Jewish organization, calling for a meeting with Catherine Viner. They want to know why the Observer and the Guardian are so anti-Semitic. I'll tell you why. Because they're Labour supporters. Get it? 0344 499 1000 is the number. Let's get it on. Rupert Bell is here with us. Ben Habib is here with us. Peter Hitchens is coming in as well. This is the Independent Republican Mike Groh. I'll tell you what, it's quite busy for a bank holiday Monday.
5: Ben Habib is here. Very good morning to you, Ben. Happy, <laughs> morning, May, happy May Day, I suppose. Well, that was a blistering start to the show. But can I, before we continue, yes. I've got something for you. Have you? Since it's coronation week. He's delving week, into a bag. Since it's coronation week. and I oh, And I know you love all things sort of woke. Yes. Here's some coronation Oh, here. wow. Thank and you very much on, indeed. On, on the almost certain assumption that that is about as welcome as a... Smack on the back of your head yeah, with a hammer. It's got broccoli florets in it. <laughs> I know. It looks, I'm afraid. <laughs> looks pretty awful, doesn't it? But this is something you will appreciate. Now, London dry you, Now you're speaking. <laughs> something. Something to. Now you're with. talking my language. That I'm definitely keeping. A classic
4: recipe balancing seven botanicals with the finest British grain spirit. Well, that's better, isn't Old it? Old breed yeah. England. Very England. Yeah. nice. forgiven, I hope, for the quiche. Well, thank I you very much. I just couldn't resist it. Yes, no, that's very kind of you. Thank you. And, and, and welcome. Uh, it is May Day, yeah. so if you are a socialist, you should be off today. Uh, of course, not only uh, are people off today because they're socialists, they're just off today because Britain, I believe, has forgotten how to do a hard day's work. I couldn't
5: believe how quiet it was coming in today. Unbelievable! There's literally nobody doing anything. It took me ten minutes from Fulham to yeah. West End. There's yeah. no traffic. It's like yeah. lockdown. Yeah, and London ought to be attracting a lot of people in this week. It Remember, really it's ought coronation to be. Week. It's
4: coronation week. We're supposed to be getting a bit of a sort of a, 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 a fiscal bounce from it, which I'm sure we will get because there are times when you when you walk around London, and it's absolutely rammed. But on no. bank holidays now. That literally nobody goes to work.
5: Well, Sadiq Khan's won his way, hasn't he? he yeah, I mean even the cycling lanes London. are quite quiet.
4: <laughs> you know, cyclists
5: obviously don't work on bank holidays. <laughs> can't can't be can't be bothered doing any
4: of that. But. A yeah. couple of things to kick, kick off with. Let's talk a bit about the cancer nurses out on strike because I find it absolutely extraordinary. We're going to talk to uh, Dr. Carol Sakura coming up in a little while who is a cancer specialist, and he talks about the lag in, in the cancer uh, treatment of people. There's a cancer crisis going on. You know, how on earth can you be a nurse and want to go on strike instead of treating people with cancer? I just don't understand yeah. it.
5: I mean, it, it, it's a really interesting point you make, and you opened in your um, rather strident short, Couple of minutes about mm. you know the effect that lockdowns had on the economy, mm. but of course lockdowns is a significant contributor to the cancer problem yeah. we've got now because so many cancer patients didn't get went, treated, didn't get treated. I did, can tell
4: you of at least ten diagnosed, ten cases that I know of of people who rang my show during the lockdown and in the sort of the, the second year and the third year, the aftermath. Who said I've now been diagnosed with stage four cancer? Everybody I've spoken to said if they could have got me earlier. Um, I would be allowed to I would be still living, but I'm about to die.
5: Yeah. And I remember And, and that's all those, because of lockdown. And that's shocking. And all those people who said that we mustn't put the economy first for the you know, accused those of us who wanted to keep the economy open yeah. of not wanting to put the economy first and putting health first. But actually we did warn then that there would be long-term health impacts. Yeah. And talking about the NHS. Well, I because the
4: NHS became the COVID the National it COVID did. Service. It ceased didn't it? to
5: fulfil its normal function, and the waiting lists have nearly doubled since pre-pandemic, since pre-lockdown. Mm. Um, and of course, now we've got all these strikes that are happening in the National Health Service as well. So, Rishi's one of Rishi's five points on his 2023 commitments was to cut the waiting list. Yeah. Well, that is not going to happen. Right. In fact, I can't think of one of the five of his list. That he's going to achieve this year. Well, he
4: might get the inflation. He might, but but even that's sticky. But that's also not even in his gift. And it's not going the way they expected it to go, is it? Because inflation is still running at plus over 10%. Over 10%. Mm. And
5: we're into April. We're nearly halfway through the year. Mm. Halfway through the year, he hasn't stopped the boats. He hasn't reduced waiting times. The economy's ticking along at the bottom of close to recession. Debt hasn't reduced. It's going up. Right. And inflation is stubbornly high. Mm. We have a broken united kingdom at the moment mm. and you see that as you said you know for the lack of traffic in london this morning
4: lack of traffic lack of activity lack of economic spending you know just a general lack. although the funny thing is is that whenever i go around and about the country um i was down in sussex at the weekend you know went to buy some stuff at some uh, you know outdoor place you know because the garden needs doing as it always yeah. does in may um and the car parks ran with people so i don't know whether they're going to shops and spending less money than they used to but they're still going to shops
5: Yeah, I mean, uh, London restaurants are still reasonably full, you know, if that's any kind of anecdotal evidence of... Although not as full as they were. Not as full as they were. Absolutely right. There's Mm. been a fall off in the last couple of months, hasn't there? I think so.
4: Because I think people are being affected by the extremely high price of of everything, really. You know,
5: because everything has gone up. And taxation's gone up. Yeah, You know, that's not abating either. You know, the the economy is being attacked on all fronts. Mm. And then, of course, you have the burden... Of all these people that are coming to the country, both legally and illegally, right. that you also mentioned. Right. You know, that puts a strain on public services, puts a strain on the Exchequer. I mean, you know, it's no end of. Um, I mean, I'm, going, I'm just, as, a, as an
4: anecdotal uh, piece of information, I'm going over to, to see my mother over in America, um, and I was happy to, to settle on a £750 airfare. Which, you know, a couple of years ago have gone 100 quid. for 400 yeah. quid, maybe. That would be good. Yeah. Now 750 is considered sort of a good a bargain. Well, air, air, air travel has gone mm. through the roof. That is for sure. It really has. Let's talk a little bit about the other problem that, again, nobody really talks about in this country. And that is migration. Robert Colwell wrote this really interesting piece of The Weekend in the Sunday Times about... Um, migration as a whole not just the small boats because of course we know that that is a massive problem and it's still a massive problem and we're probably going to have 50 plus thousand coming this year that way whether or not they sort it out is is is, is not really a, a matter of interest because there's half a million people coming legally and that's an additional half yeah. a million people into this country i jokingly said what does that mean after 10 years you know it's an incredibly large number of people it's, it's five is. million it's people half, it's half of london yeah
5: and, I mean, you you know, let's just talk about all migration coming to London generally. as well.
4: Sorry? I think they're all coming to London as well.
5: There are. 37% I read of yeah. people in London today were not born in the United Kingdom. Right. That's quite interesting, it's isn't a, it? It's a big number. And But let's just talk about immigration, perhaps, uh, without specifics at the moment. You know, immigration can be a terrific tool for growing the economy if you take in those people that the economy needs and you take them in in measured numbers. But what we've had over the last 25 years is basically unbridled immigration with unskilled labour coming in, apparently growing the economy to some extent, but on a per capita Mm. basis, on a per hour worked basis. The United Kingdom has got poorer and poorer and poorer over the last 25 years, over that same period. Unbridled immigration is nothing more than a Ponzi scheme. It gives the appearance of economic growth, but actually, ultimately, what it's doing is killing the economy. And remember, when these people retire, of course, they then have to be looked after. And it only that economic growth, to the extent it exists, if it does exist, and that's debatable, mm. stops the minute you stop expanding the workforce. Are you with me? Yes. It comes back like a Ponzi scheme and whips you. And we've got to be very, very careful. Now, the Conservatives, we thought... Legal migration was out of control when it was a net 300,000, yeah. and that's what it was at for a number of years. Mm. Last year, it was net 500,000. This year, it's forecast to be net 700,000 yeah. people coming into the United Kingdom. Right. The government has completely well, it's, lost Which, by the way, is already full. It's, it's, you know, it's, there's not enough housing. They're not building enough houses. I think the,
4: uh, Robert Colburn's piece said this. They're building something like 170,000 houses a year, which is clearly not
5: enough to even handle the immigration. Well, we've never hit the 300,000 houses target. <clears> you <throat> no. know, it's an academic... I heard Keir Starmer say over the weekend that he's going to make it mandatory. Well, how are you going to do that, Mr. Starmer? Sir, Sir Keir, sorry. What's he going to make mandatory? Yeah, uh, building housing. How do you do it? How do you how do, you do that? <laughs> what an idiot. I, I mean, know. the guy is completely and utterly
4: deranged. The more, the more I look at Keir Starmer, the more you realise that he has no clue about what he's doing and that he actually would be a ridiculously bad prime minister. And also, I'm not even sure he's going to become prime minister the way things go.
5: No, I mean, it's remarkable the way the polls are beginning to narrow. and. I'm a big critic of Rishi because I don't think he's presiding. He's brought some stability back. But what he's doing is presiding almost over that kind of stability that you have and quietness Mm. that you have in a morgue. You know, the economy is flatlining. And we're flatlining with this unbridled immigration, with debt going up. Mm. Debt this year is forecast to go up by another 100 billion, which is 5% of total British debt. I mean this is these yeah. are big figures and the U- UK economy won't be able to stand this for long. But Rishi Sunak still is a better bet than Keir Starmer. Oh, yeah. That's how bloody awful British politics, <laughs> am I allowed to say, has become.
4: I mean, the thing about um, uh, old Rishi as well is that when he stood up and said uh, everybody should be doing maths until the age of 18 so they can be better at maths, I was like, oh, well, that's great, because then you can work out just how much worse off you are than you were last <laughs> year. You know, but at the end of the day, there is shortages of of, of, uh, uh, of employment and shortages of, of, of workers in this country. How is that possible if half a million people are coming in every uh, single uh, year? Absolutely. Because surely they should be coming here to work. And All that nonsense
5: that Brexit's broken the labour market, that businesses can't, uh, you know, fulfil their needs because there are no more people coming from Europe. That is all nonsense. Mm. There is no shortage of workers in the United Kingdom. There's no shortage of EU workers in the United Kingdom. We gave settled and pre-settled status to six and a half million EU member state citizens. There is no excuse. The reason the labour market's not working is because essentially it no longer pays to work. Mm. We've engendered a culture where benefits, where you can earn on benefits pretty close to what you can earn on the net median wage. So why would you go to work? And again, if you look at the numbers, they speak for themselves, Mike. You know, pre-lockdown, there were about 3 million people on universal credit. Mm. Post-lockdown, 5.9 million and stubbornly staying there. People are not going back to work. They're choosing to take benefits instead. And if
4: they are going to go back to work, they're working from home in many cases, or at least part of the week they're working from home, because you know, even if it wasn't a bank holiday today, Mondays, generally speaking, are quieter in town than they were, in the same way that Fridays are. You know, Mondays and Fridays now are the the weekdays that people decide to work from home. And isn't it a coincidence... That it happens to
5: bookend the weekend. That it happens (laughs) to bookend
4: the weekend. And isn't it a coincidence that the NHS have decided to have a strike... You know, they wanted to have a strike into tomorrow as well, but they were actually ruled against uh, in a court of law, which I'm pleased to see. Um, But they just wanted to extend their bank holiday weekend because everybody knows if you're in the NHS, nobody works at the weekend anyway.
5: Yeah. And I mean, that shocking was, state of affairs. Yeah, that the NHS, you know, I had some sympathy with the nurses. I, I had a lot of sympathy with the nurses. I never did. Yeah, OK, well, I did to start with, because, you know, they had worked extraordinarily hard and on a global basis, they are paid much less. Mm. But their strike, the RCN has handled this strike so badly, asking for that ridiculous 19 yeah. percent at the outset. Yeah. Then settling for a paltry 5 percent. Yes. Taking it Recommending forward, it. Recommending yeah. it. And then having the ignominy of being defeated by her own workers, Pat Cullen. I mean, she has caused, she's created an intractable problem now. The government won't know how to get round the table and address this. Mm. She doesn't know how to get more. What she needed to have done was ask for a reasonable figure on the high side of reasonable, 11 or 12%, and then settle for eight or nine. Mm. And the, the whole problem would have gone away. Now what we've got is a chronic Inbuilt problem with strikes. And the same with the junior doctors who are asking for 35%.
4: Yeah, I mean, it's just not going to get it. Until we saw those idiots. Anyway, uh, we've got more to talk about. Plenty more to do. Uh, You know what you should do. Uh, You should give us your view as well. 0344 499 1000. Uh, It's Bank Holiday Monday. It's Coronation Week. This is Talk TV.
3: On DAB Plus. On the app. Talk Radio and Talk TV.
4: Welcome back to the Independent Republic of Mike Graham right here on Talk TV. Liam says this. The Guardian was started by a 19th century cotton mill owner, a hostile to rally reform who profited from slavery they wanted a Tory victory in 1951 opposed the creation of the NHS supported internment in the Iraq war and stitched up Julian Assange uh, and Jeremy Corbyn so I guess that's a view from the left because funny enough some leftists absolutely hate the Guardian because it's not left-wing enough um, but the thing that I find is extraordinary uh, about the two things that have happened lately one the Diane Abbott letter to the Observer they didn't think it was even um, worthy of comment because most news editors would have seen that letter and gone, Blimey, Diane Abbott's gone over the side. Uh, this is a good story. We should probably make it the front page. And they didn't even make it a story yeah. because so used are they uh, to the fact that uh, that they agree with her view that you can only suffer racism if you're black.
5: Well, the, the, I mean, the left traditionally used to be championing worker workers' rights mm. and, and liberal approach to life. Actually, yeah. they'd become the dictatorial left now, haven't they, Mike? Yeah, they're, no, so. they're not interested in workers. They're no. much more interested in the Islington... Oh, they're much more interested in elite. transgender ideology and Absolutely. that kind of thing. And cancelling, you know, books that they don't like. So the left is no longer the left. The no. left is some kind of wokey, dictatorial... No. Um, uh, what's the what's the word? Totalitarian approach to governance. That's yes, where they're at. Exactly right. Uh, Mike says Mick,
4: if the Mail or the Sun had printed anti-Semitic cartoons like the Guardian, they would have been sued and the editors would have been sacked. The left just don't get it. I think he's right. Can you imagine if the if the, if the Sun or the Mail had oh, yeah. published something like Blimey. that, yeah. and it would have been seen by the board of deputies as, as an anti-Semitic um, trope, which is exactly what it was, by the way. Um, they, you know, the, the feet wouldn't touch the floor. Extraordinary. Absolutely amazing. Also, I'm hearing that Carol Cadwallader um, has also now been ordered to pay Aaron Banks £35,000. Quite right. um, Due to something that she said in public, I think at a TED Talk. Um, But she's written for The Observer and The Guardian, of course, in her time, and there was not a word, funnily enough, in
5: The Observer at the weekend about the the story. Unbelievable! Unbelievable. And that actually should have been right across all media. Mm. Aaron Banks has been attacked a lot for his political views, and every time he's been attacked... Actually, he's been found to be been vindicated, yeah. and uh, the attacks have been false. And really, the, the the media generally, mainstream media, owe Aaron Banks an mm. apology. Mm.
4: They don't like him, do they? Because they don't. They think he's a bit of a sharp character they think he's a bit of a sort of con man you know they see him as a well kind he's of pro brexit you know as soon as you're yeah. pro
5: brexit you're you know you're sort of fair game for these people i know
4: absolutely extraordinary she also has been going around saying that she won the case she might find that a bit difficult now <laughs> you know that's the problem isn't it let's talk a bit about her the european union as well because um i, I posted a piece at the weekend from euro news in which it said that um germany has been really badly hit by staff shortages Pro, uh, since, uh, since the lockdowns and since COVID, specifically seeking skilled craftspeople, electrical engineers, IT specialists, carers, nurses, catering and hospitality professionals. Oh, well, a bit like Britain then. A bit
5: like the United Kingdom, yeah. exactly. I mean, as you said again, Mike, the, the symptoms that we're all experiencing are not symptoms of Brexit. Mm. They're not symptoms that are specific to any constitutional change the United Kingdom's made. These are all symptoms that result from lockdowns. This is what happens when you shut the economy down for two and a half years intermittently and then emerge and and print loads of money at the time and then emerge from lockdown without any thought to what has happened to supply Mm -hmm. chains and to the labor market during that period. What we did was inculcate a a culture of staying at home, not working. And at the same time, supply chains were broken. Um, Gas storage facilities were shut down. Refining businesses were shut down container ships were all at the wrong ends of the the earth. Mm. And so as we unlocked, we got that surge in inflation. It wasn't Ukraine. Sure, Ukraine added to the problems, but those problems are global. Mm. They're affecting everyone. And the other big problem, by the way, that's affecting us globally is the adoption by sophisticated Western democracies of socialist economic Mm. policies across the board. The US is doing it, big borrowing and spending. Europe is essentially and handing out free money to people and handing out free money and we've done the same in the uk yeah. the whole world has be- the whole developed world has become socialist and what we're learning again is that socialism doesn't work no and that's why all these economies are suffering because you so can't much.
4: continually spend money if you're not generating any i mean any child could tell them that you uh, know absolutely. if you're running a business as you've run many businesses as i have You know, you only need at the end of the week to look at the the balance sheet. And if you're making, it's like Mr. Mycoba, isn't it? You know, if you're making no money and you're in a negative, it's, you know, uh, it's it's,
5: it's a recipe for disaster. Well, Maggie Thatcher said the problem with socialism is that you eventually run out of other people's money. You do. And that's the issue. And that's what's happening here. So the government keeps taxing us to promote these, uh, to, to support these ridiculous policies. But actually, eventually, we simply won't be able to afford the taxes. No.
4: And guess what the Guardian's got as their main front page story this morning millions of uk households are collectively missing out on at least 19 billion pounds a year in unclaimed welfare I saw benefits that.
5: that's incredible
4: what i mean incredible. you know they see, they keep going on with this narrative where many are forced to use food banks or run up debt as they struggle with rising living costs i mean one of the biggest growth biz- industries in this country is food banks um, not because people need to have them but because if you set one up you know you can probably make quite a bit of money running it and an awful lot of these charitable organisations are now employing hundreds and hundreds of people and turning over vast amounts of money millions and millions of pounds a year taking in donations spending most of it on their administration costs and then sort of providing a few cans of spaghetti Uh,
5: at the other end. And what happens when you know when you create something like that actually you then become the society becomes dependent on it. It becomes endemic and you can't wean yourself off it and we don't want to be that kind of society. It's like I'm going to digress slightly, but it's slightly like putting up illegal migrants in hotels. Hmm. You create vested interests now. Yeah. You know, those hotel owners, however damaging it might be for the local community, they effectively have triple... A government guaranteed income, because of these people yeah. coming across the. Same with the housing
4: market. You know, in Stoke for one, uh, we know that the local council are asking landlords to come forward and provide housing for illegal migrants, so that they can have they they'll pay their bills for five years. It's easy they'll money. They'll pay rent. They'll pay council tax for you. They'll pay
5: the electricity bills. Of course, you're going to do it. It's easy money, you know, and, um, and the economy in the meanwhile just goes round and ever decreases. And I mean, circles. the rest of us, you know,
4: good luck you know, to you if you happen to be paying tax, if you happen to be working hard, if you happen to be law abiding as a citizen, you are worthless to this government, you know, because they care more about people coming here illegally. They care more about people on benefits. They care more uh, about criminals than they do about us. And certainly, certainly their policies
5: give I mean, that indication. Unbelievable.
4: Yeah. Finally, uh, will you be pledging allegiance to the king uh, on coronation day Saturday?
5: I will be pledging allegiance to the United Kingdom will of you, Great Britain and Northern Ireland. Will you be taking the knee? <laughs> no, don't take the knee. <laughs> <laughs> well,
4: I don't think I am going to
5: pledge allegiance.
4: Not, I don't like the sound of it, to be honest. It sounds a little bit too much like um, I'm being told to do something, and I'm famously not very good at being told well, what to Well, my,
5: my problem with this coronation is that the king has invited Michelle O'Neill... Yes. ...to the coronation, uh-huh. and Yusuf Hamza. Yeah. Two people, and the former being worse than the latter. Yeah who hold the United Kingdom in contempt. Yes. And he is to be crowned king of the Union of Great Britain yes. and Northern Ireland. And I have an issue with the king inviting two separatists, one of whom w- won't even acknowledge that terrorism is wrong yeah, right. to his coronation. I've got, I'm have got. i afraid that is a, that is a problem yes, for me. Yes,
4: I'm afraid it is as well. And I mean, I guess you might argue that so are the Chinese coming uh, as, a, as a problem as well. I take the view that if you're going to invite these people, you invite them all uh, or you invite none of them. And I don't think anybody's got the guts to just say no. What to the Chinese? To the Chinese, or to Sinn Fein?
5: Yeah, but Sinn Fein. I mean, come on, Mike. Sinn Fein. This is—they don't take their seats up at Westminster. No, I know. They, have, they because haven't because they acknowledged...
4: refuse to take the, take the
5: pledge of allegiance. Yeah, and and, and they hold the country in contempt. Mm. They literally hold the United Kingdom in contempt. They want to break us. Yeah. That's their stated aim. She should not have a seat anywhere near the monarchy. Mm. It, it's it's actually legitimizing. Her illegit- illegitimate aims. Yes, I dare say. Those who would
4: support her, and I'm not one at all, would say that well, she is the senior politician from Northern Ireland. Does
5: it Take up your seats in Westminster and give up your claim to Northern yeah. Ireland. If she is the true representative of the people of Northern yeah. Ireland, then she should represent the Unionists as much as she represents the uh, separatists, yeah. and she should denounce IRA terrorism. Yeah. Those are two preconditions for her, in my view... To being able to be rehabilitated in the United Kingdom. Yeah,
4: and I think they're both very fair points, and, and I would agree with them. Actually, I go along with that. Ben, good to see you. Thank you very much you. indeed. Ben Habib, uh, there with some strong views, but some very right views, in my view, uh, about what is going on this weekend. It is, of course, uh, coronation week. We'll be covering all of it right here on Talk TV. Coming next, Rupert Bell joins us uh, with his take on what's going on out there.
3: Talk radio and Talk TV online on DAB plus talk radio and talk TV
4: Welcome back to the Independent Republic of Mike Graham right here. It is Coronation Week, of course. It's only Monday. It's Bank Holiday Monday. Nobody seems to be doing anything uh, apart from, of course, those people uh, who are working on the coronation because I'm sure uh, there are all sorts of uh, dry runs being operated upon uh, up and down the country. We've got the man himself to talk to us about all of the things that are going on. Uh, he is, of course, one and only Rupert Bell, uh, Talk Radio's
6: Royal Correspondent. Rupert, um, I fear you have another busy week ahead. Uh, I do have a busy week <laughs> ahead, but... Um, <laughs> Actually, it's quite interesting. Everything that's going on mm. and the sort of symbolism of everything and, and the historical significance of everything, particularly the Coronation Service, yeah. um, actually, is, is, it's, it's fascinating. Mm. And, and even the little new, everything has been sought through and everything might have, particularly in the Coronation Service, have some sort of resonance. And, and if you look at the Coronation Service, looking through the things that were relevant from... Mm. 900 AD were being said, which will still be said yes. in 2023. Because there's
4: only so much you can modernise, isn't there? You can't modernise all of it. I mean, I was listening to somebody on talk last week, talking about the the, 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 the King's spurs that have to be carried yeah. by somebody or other um, and how they've they've chosen specific people to be part of the procession which is being seen as a much more modern kind of look, shall we say. Oh. But also we're now
6: being told we must pledge allegiance or we may wish to pledge allegiance. Um, you're invited. Yes. We which is a difference than being asked. Well, I suppose so. I suppose so. I mean, because I mean, every word matters yeah. in the service, mm. and we'll have a sim- symbolism. Now, I think some people will look. If you don't want to, I think they're they're realistic enough saying we're not asking for every person in the right. country to suddenly drop everything and pledge allegiance. Yeah. The interesting thing, um, but look at look the service and the way the country has changed. We. The whole thing is based on the Protestant. The king will uphold the Protestant faith. Yeah. Yet you will have our prime minister reading from the Bible, and he is a Hindu. Right. And you know he was saying, "This is the word of the Lord," and mm. we reply, "Thanks be to God." Yeah. Will happen in the service. Right. So you look again. That's a incredibly significant moment. Okay, the prime minister to read. That may not be. But in context of a religious mm. aspect of the service, that has a significance. Whatever you think of Richie Sunak's yeah. politics or whatever, but the symbolism... But this is why that. the
4: royal family is still such a fascinating um, sort of endeavour, isn't it? Because from all over the world, people are looking at it and going... And so what's the Church of England? Oh, that was the thing they started when King Henry mm. VIII decided he wanted to get married again because he didn't like his first wife. You know, yeah. and you go all the way back to that and you start talking about the stuff of, of legend, yeah. you know?
6: Well, and I think that, you know, that's why everything is, there's a sim- symbolic sort of element to the whole thing yes. and the changes, the little tweaks uh, that are being brought in. But do you think we in this country, here is a... Hindu reading at the crowning of a king. What right. other country, what other would allow that to happen? Mm, right. So actually you show that the multicultural Britain and that, he, that the king wants, there is an absolute manifestation. No, he's not making, he is reading from the Bible. Mm. And that fits the king's multi-faith aspect to this, to what he wants to bring to his reign, although of course he, were, the whole point of the service is a, one in, as his head of right. the Protestant Church in his country. So, when you pledge allegiance,
4: is there a sort of will you be following a certain set of words? Will they be reading words out in the abbey?
6: Well, I, I'm, I'm just. Uh, the idea is that the church throughout the service, you see the congregation replying and there will be something similar that during the service, the people will be pledging allegiance who are in, within the mm. Abbey. And at that moment, it will be one that you, wherever you're watching, you will be in a position to reply.
4: Yes. So for instance... And that will happen presumably after he's
6: been crowned with it. Uh, I believe so. I'm right. going through the 44 pages. That in front <laughs> of me is the coronation word for word. It is a document. Um, I've not been very eco-friendly here, but i printed it out. I'm old school. Quite right. And just wanted to read it and and that everything is explained. Well, I assume
4: that in the Westminster Abbey context there will be... A book of prayer or something handed out, or there will be a, a service oh, uh, th- handed out. Uh, you know, uh, the king may be an ecomaniac, but he's not going to say we can't well, print anything, is he?
6: Well, he gets given a Bible,
4: yeah, uh, for starters. Right.
6: Um, one of three, is it the that King that produ- James Bible or the uh, King well, Charles he gets Bible. A, they they produce one t- and one two that go into archives, and he gets one because, of course, ultimately he's the defender of the faith, yeah. and the Bible is the most significant document that he's adhering to. Okay. So it's it, the whole thing is a sort of historical moment and the tweaks from years gone by mm. is, is, I think, a, a fantastic sort of um, manifestation of, of, our, of our system Indeed. in this country. And, of course, it might come as no
4: surprise to you that some of our friends north of the border mm. are not entirely uh, <laughs> uh, as one uh, with the rest of the nation. Have a look at this from yesterday. Well,
1: Yes, our
4: friends at Celtic, uh, who won, I think, the uh, Scottish Cup semi-final against Rangers yesterday. I know that some of that is aimed at the Rangers fans, who are obviously unionists and supporters of the royal family. But, I mean, they they, they can always be relied upon for being fairly rude about the royal family.
6: Well, yes, and um, interestingly, I mean, I've spoken to Scottish friends and someone said to me that there's a sort of apathetic sort of uh, indifference about the coronation, but that's, you know, and I sort of can understand. But I, I think we might find that might change a little nearer the time. Yeah. And it is interesting, you playing a football clip there. Yes. Um, the, the, I think the English Premier League are keen that at all Premier League games over the weekend, particularly on Saturday, um, that uh, maybe the national anthem is sung before kickoff. Well, that would be quite interesting because Liverpool are playing at home. Yes. And we also know they um, and Liverpool. Um, that might create a bit. Well, they of don't even like England. No, they? no, no, the they, United they, Kingdom, do they? they want their own independence. So, yeah. I mean, I, I think the, uh, the, it's an interesting one. How clubs play that? Um, do they feel they should? <coughs> but I'm as a Villa fan. Um, would I be happy to sing it? Yes, I would. Yes, um, but then. I would, if you know what I mean. But that's
4: the point. It's, it's difficult, yeah. isn't it? Once you start getting into things like that, where you say, mm. right, well, here's a good idea. Why don't we get everybody yes. to sing the national anthem just because they're at a football match? And not everybody at a football match is as supportive of the royal family, perhaps, as you are, or even as I am. It, but and, it, it, and in the end, they're entitled to be unsupportive because mm. this is Britain. Yeah, you know, but, it's not North Korea.
6: But, no, it's not. And I think that's the point. You know, you, ha- it's a, you have a choice. But... Bearing in mind that we sing the national anthem before England play football matches. Yeah. So do you say, just taking it a step further, and they're saying, well, why can't we mm. s- do this? Now, it would be interesting um, to see what the general reaction would be. I yeah. I can't speak for all Villa fans, but um, I think some of the ones around where I sit probably would be quite happy to.
4: But- I mean, I think the thing is, nobody's really absolutely sure exactly how much sort of um, excitement there will be in the country it might depend on the weather you know if it's a nice day on Saturday there might be a load of people out having street parties who haven't asked for a a permit to do so because we're told the number of people asking for the parties is much lower than it was for the Queen's Jubilee last year you know I know in my little um, neck of the woods there's a there's a street party which I've been invited to uh, which I'll probably go to um, because it's a nice thing to do you know
6: let it, well, I remember the Silver Jubilee ones, you know, people getting together. But mm. it, I think it is a choice thing. And I think councils are saying, is it money? Should we be spending money on that when we're strapped for cash? So there's a lot of sort of politics as well at yeah. play behind all this. but not get the, me
4: started on the councils being strapped for cash because that's another okay, story. Okay, well
6: okay, there's <laughs> one in South <laughs> Cambridgeshire that
4: claims it's so strapped for cash that because it can't give anybody a pay rise, they're going to put everybody in a four-day week well
6: um you're right. the bin this, men. Is, this is not on my paper. i know it's not I know. My, but, but i'm sorry i've opened, <laughs> but what i will say is the 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 king did say but and a lovely documentary last night which sort yeah. of encapsulates him and, and showed him to be fairly forthright on certain things the environmental issues and one of the things he said is it will lot will depend mm. on the weather yes and because he was talking about his investiture in wales back in 1969 and so um, I remember sitting around uh, at school watching it with other members of the royal family. Yeah,
4: I remember it so well that because my parents took me to Carnarvon the following year ah. to show me where it had happened, you know. So I've actually been to Carnarvon
6: and, and sat wherever it was that everybody yeah. sat while they watched it all, you know. Well, it was a, and actually, the, and again, the documentary reflected that it was quite interesting times because at that time in Wales there was a lot of anti-English sentiment. Yeah. There was a lot of um, problems with. with um, with people saying they're wanting independence yes. it was it was quite twitchy yeah it was, and it, was and it was quite nasty t- yeah. as well in a lot of places so it it was an interesting time and he, and but the king was quite he said i understand if people are not going to like me and right. having to get their head around the idea of having an englishman as the prince of wales yes. so it was quite a you know it was a very open sort of realistic view mm. and i and then that comes to the um coronation will there be protests out there if there are, I'm sure the king will take a very pragmatic view and say, look, I, I know not everybody believes in the institution. Yeah. And, and Well, once again, the Guardian, I'm afraid,
4: have made another faux pas there by having a cartoon of the king uh, covered in uh, eggs that were thrown at him. But there we are. Well, we haven't got even talked about um, Meghan and Harry yet, so well, you'll have to come back and do that. Because, well, I, you know, I am coming back. I, good.
6: We just went off on a bit of a tangent. We did, but that's
4: what we're entitled to do. It's a yeah. free country, and <laughs> yeah, uh, it was like. very interesting, actually. It's much more interesting than Harry and Meghan. But um, we will have to talk about Harry and Meghan, because I think okay. if there was a plane that left London quicker than the one he's getting, I think he would be here for even shorter about the time. He's only coming for about four hours. Mm-hmm. Uh, if he could find a quicker way out of here, I think he'd take it. Uh, but, Rupert, thank you very much indeed. We'll see you again very shortly. Uh, Talk Radio's Royal Correspondent, of course. Coming up, uh, I want to tell you something else about The Guardian.
3: This is Talk TV. TV.
5: Clear-headed, honest opinion.
3: Watch live on Freesat Channel 217.
5: On Apple TV and Samsung TV+. Plus.
3: Listen live on DAB+. Ask your smart speaker to play Talk TV and get access to exclusive content by downloading the Talk TV mobile app. Available for free now from the App Store and Google Play, Talk Radio and Talk TV. The home of common sense. Talk ra- on the app, on your smart speaker. Talk Radio and Talk TV
4: welcome back to the independent republic of mike graham it is coronation week as if you didn't know and so of course we will be here every single day of it and bringing you all the news that's fit to print and some of the news that isn't fit to print as well uh, and fit to say uh, in front of a live audience welcome to the independent republic of mike graham and welcome to talk tv Uh, we'll be running all the way through next weekend of course as well we've been talking already this morning we're going to put a poll up about pledging allegiance to the king will you do it do you want to do it would you be happy to do it we just had a caller who said not only is he not going to pledge allegiance but he doesn't want to pay for them either. Um, and, of course, that's all going to be part of the conversation that goes on around uh, the whole coronation uh, as we wait for it all to happen and to unfold on Saturday. Uh, Peter Hitchens is with us. Um, we missed you last week, Peter, so welcome back. Um, much to discuss, particularly from your, um, uh, your co- great column this week. It was really good. Okay. Um, I particularly like the, uh, the local council message, which we'll get to in a minute. Oh, yes, um, but good. I suppose we should kick off with, uh, with King Charles and oh, the, uh, King, and the yeah. Pledge of Allegiance. I mean, I can see
0: that what they're sort of trying to do, but I just think, well, I think it's a bit of a mistake. Well, I don't know. I think I, the problem w- with it for me, imagining myself doing it on the, at the time, is I don't think I should feel able to do it uh, in, in company with anybody else. I might be able to do it if I were in private, mm. but standing or sitting in a room with a lot of other people and saying that, I think it would be quite difficult. Also, I think the, the last line, may the king live forever is perhaps a bit much for most people. I think it will be difficult for people to say that particular
4: line because we all know he's not going to.
0: Yeah, it's strange that they should have included that. I don't know. But yeah. I, I think some people's reaction to it is silly. It's, it's not compulsory. Yeah. No one's, they aren't going to be watching you on CCTV yeah. to check, no, I, I'm not. check that you say it. Said, I think Mick Hume said it was like being in North Korea. Oh, come on. Well, it really isn't. It just is so not like right. being in North Korea. And I've been in North Korea and I can tell you it's <laughs> not like being in North Korea. <laughs> at all, not one bit. The people make these ludicrous comparisons, they they do. don't they? They do. Why they do? Don't know why they do. I, I, the idea is is fundamentally sound and in some way rather thrilling because, actually, it, I've always regarded the, the, the monarchy as a, as, a, as an emblem of our sovereignty over ourselves. Yeah. And that's why. Yes. Uh, I support it. And one of the, the several reasons I support it. Mm. I think constitutional monarchy is the best. Uh, the yeah, I Form of government ever devised, and and I th- and I think the whole idea of, of of what we're saying here is this this person elevated over the, the politicians, symbolising law, justice, and religion, who is who belongs entirely to us. Yeah. So I'm in favour of that. I I I, I just wish the, the, uh, the expected oath had been had been uh, slightly better drawn up, mm. and I'm just as I'm not sure how many people are going to feel able to say it in front of anybody yes, else. I know you might say it in your head.
4: And I think or as mean well, in your head. yes, and you're right to say that because it's sort of there by the grace of the British public is the royal family in existence. Because if we decided we didn't want it anymore, well, really that would gone. be something different. And that's also why I quite like the idea of not pledging allegiance, because as much as I
0: support them, I don't wish to say it out loud. Yes, we had this business when I went to the, the proclamation in Oxford of the New Monarch, and some guy coming back from his church. Uh, called out, no, not my king or yeah. something. And, and a few people said, oh, shut up. Right. But the police then descended on him and handcuffed him. It was really? completely outrageous. It took weeks months mm. for the whole thing to be dropped yeah i, I am completely in, in favor of people people being allowed to say not me not my king and all the rest of it it's the, because apart from anything else a constitutional monarchy permits that yeah it's exactly not uh, the, 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 the kim family demanding a total lifelong allegiance and indeed allegiance beyond the grave it's absolutely the opposite and it, the, the, the that that's that's why it's so important to me so um, just if, if if I were standing next to somebody who pointedly didn't say it, or who who made right. some gesture, it wouldn't bother me in the slightest. I yeah I agree I with like that. Like being in a free country, I agree people, with that. But people, if they started they throwing stuffed. eggs and
4: stuff like that, I think yeah. that would be a different matter, wouldn't it?
0: If well, yeah, throwing eggs is a, is a common law offence, isn't it? And it's, it's it's sort of it's personally rude. And, yeah, and, and, I'm in favour uh, of the Prescott defence for that unpleasant. one. Well, I yeah, <laughs> I, I, I think that the difficulty is especially in, in in this age. Yeah, the people who start throwing things in the streets. Yeah. Uh, are, uh, are taking a major risk anyway, because people might assume it's not just an egg. Well, exactly. And, and that the, the whole thing has to be taken. Well, I think that's what happened. Then we might have done. And I think that's what time. did
4: happen to John Prescott. I think he thought it was something other than he thought it was a punch. Maybe that, I don't know. I but, mean, but we digress. Uh, Let's talk about your, your column, um, the sexual revolution. Was it a failure for women? I found that really fascinating, the piece yeah. that you wrote.
0: Well, I, I, I've thought for a long time, uh, and I remember once producing a Total silence at one of those literary festivals, which are now one of Britain's major industries. When I said uh, to a to a, a large, well filled room that, as far as I could see, the sexual revolution being the liberation of of, of of nasty, selfish men. Yeah, and the reason for the silence, I think, is because everybody who thinks about it for a moment realizes it's true. Yeah, and that's that's how it's worked out. The men who who. who, who who get women pregnant won't take responsibility mm. for them. Those kinds of men have had an absolute bonanza since all this, uh, since, since the pill became pretty much compulsory. Is, do you think? And women.
4: is that because it's become acceptable for, for men to behave like that?
0: do You think? Well, it was never acceptable, but they can get away with it much more easily, yeah. can they? And no, this, but the, I mean, the it same, must the same. be more acceptable. It's, it's the, 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 the constant thing. As well, I mean, you should have taken the pill stuff, mm. which is right, uh, which, which was in, in the early years of the pill. Yeah, I was just reading great novel, Alison Urey 's uh, The War Between the Tates, and one of the, it, one of the things that happens in it is that the, the, the girlfriend of the man who betrays his wife doesn't take her pill. Mm. He's actually been watching her pill-taking because mm. he thinks she ought to be taking it. He actually supervises amazing attitudes, mm. which, which spread immediately after it became common. Yes, uh, in but what I'm saying... And, uh, abortion has a similar effect, yeah. of
4: course. I suppose I, what I'm saying is it was less um, acceptable when men didn't behave like that, and presumably that's why well, they behaved like men that, because didn't, if, if they did make a woman pregnant, they inevitably
0: married. Well, yes, this is the, this is the old... It, it, right b- back at the at the end of the of the old society, the beginning of the Society, when I was w- working first on the, the Swindon Evening Advertiser, and one of the jobs of the junior reporters was to do the, uh, the wedding forms, uh, which people had filled in so we could put an account of their wedding in the paper without mm. going. Uh, and the, the there would always be a snigger in the office when the dress was described as empire line right. because it it meant that the bride uh, was was pregnant. Yes. But there was a lot of that. People did get yeah. married because they because they were having children. Yes. Now they don't. Right. Uh, they well, sometimes they don't they, get married at all. No, they don't case. get married
4: at all. They still have children and stay together. Uh, who does this benefit? I think this benefits selfish men. Mm. It doesn't benefit women because I know several women who have had children with men and have subsequently split up. And if they weren't married they're literally entitled to nothing. Yeah, and,
0: and, 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 and but it, it, it's I, I just think it has lowered the the, the, the standards of behavior by some mm. long way, and I don't think it's left women in, 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 in a particularly better position. And also it's this huge pressure on women to go out to work. Look, if people want to go out to work, that's great. Uh, people should go out to work if they want to go out to work, but nowadays it's pretty much impossible for people to pay their bills unless mm. there are two incomes coming in. Mm. And when women go out to work, the burden falls very, very heavily on them. And also they find pretty quickly that the, 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 the men may be bad, but employers are worse. Well, yeah, and we uh, talked about this, didn't we, the, when yeah. there was talk of
4: funding sort of universal childcare, effectively, for people, yeah. um, so that they could go back to work and pay somebody else to look after their children. It just increases the pressure. Which seems to me to be a kind of backwards way of bringing up children, doesn't well, it?
0: Well, the one form of childcare which the government will not subsidise is, is, is childcare done by the child's own mother. Yes, Yes, that's not the case. they will not subsidise.
4: Absolutely, that. must be the wrong thing to do. Um, yeah, and pornography also got to mention. Well,
0: pornography. I, do you remember? You must when we were all told. Well, it's these. Look at all these Scandinavians. They allow pornography, Look how much more healthy they are. Yes. And they've cleaned out their, the attics of their minds that, uh, by by allowing free pornography. We've actually made people more healthy. And what we find now that there is there is mass readily available pornography on the internet is that it's actually penetrating and poisoning the minds of millions of people who, in some cases, particularly my, young people, yeah, particularly young people, particularly young men, who in, 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 and, in, in and and young girls actually. My suspicion never get over it because the, the, this stuff. I remember making a grave mistake, one of many in my life, when uh, there was a book called Last Exit to. Brooklyn, Brooklyn. I've heard of that. On yeah. trial, and uh, I thought, well, I would defy these stupid censors and, and get a copy of it and read it. And to this day, I wished I hadn't read it. I haven't don't, read it. Don't uh, is my advice because you don't, you can't get this stuff out of your mind once mm. it's got in there. Mm. Well, and, what and, I worry uh, about not liberated people. I think we can absolutely say that the the the, 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 the ending of restrictions on pornography has not liberated people. No. I mean, I think
4: also the most damaging aspect of it, to a large extent, um, because, you know, grown-up people, I suppose, are entitled to have as many disgraceful views about things as sexual uh, as much as anything else. But a lot of young children, and I'm talking under the age of 10, are now accessing some of this stuff, and it's dreadful. Because of the phones, because of the ease of the internet and all of that, you know?
0: But I I just... I, I don't think you can measure the damage... That it has done, and yet it's not now discussed in that form. The people who, in, in those times, when poor old Lord Longford was being mocked for his yes. expedition to Sweden, I think it was, uh, to to go and examine uh, sex clubs there, mm. uh, the people who at that time said how foolish and how wonderful it will be if we yes. just if we just get like the Scandinavians, have been proved completely wrong. But it's never discussed. No. It's just simply not discussed anymore. And those who pushed this have not made responsible. And the
4: internet, funnily enough, is said to make money for two businesses only. One is gambling, and the other is pornography. Nothing that, else makes money on the that internet. That would
0: figure, wouldn't it?
4: Yeah, I mean, otherwise, it's it's and so you you know, a cynic might say that's what it was invented for.
0: Well, I don't. It's it, that, that's that, that's how we've ended up. But as I say, the the point about this is that no serious. Properly uh, properly indeed feminist or woman liking uh, survey of the mm. past fifty years could really uh, fail to notice in how many ways
2: women... There's never been a
5: faster or easier way to
2: start your weight loss journey than with plush care.
0: are in a worse position now than they were before the sexual revolution. Yeah, I think you're probably right.
4: Um, let's talk about strange messaging from your local council, because <laughs> this was one of my favourites of the of the weekend, I have to say.
0: Doing good. Yeah, on, on, on an increasing number of, of Oxford City Council vehicles, <laughs> these words appear. I, I think I, I, two, I two things come to my mind when I when I see it. One is... How, 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 they aren't the ones you know, if, if if I go around saying I'm doing good yeah. people say well that's your opinion but well, you, right. you should worry more about what other people think
4: well this is now the thing that is, how, has how, been adopted by people of the left I would say who regard anyone who's not uh, in agreement with them as being evil, the evil Tories, the nasty, horrible, it, it nasty,
0: cruel I mean, if, if there ever were a Tory council in, in Oxford again, which there won't be because the last <laughs> Tory councillor was hunted down and eaten in Oxford about <laughs> 20 years ago, uh, but if there ever were, would they have to wipe it off? I'm sure. reminded me of? Doing bad, on I don't know
4: whether you're a fan of Westerns, but there's a great Western with Clint Eastwood called The Outlaw, Josie Wales, and Josie Wales is a kind of, you know, confederate... Um, man standing left alone having lost the civil war. Right. And so there's a group of what they call red legs running around killing them all because uh-huh. they're the, the the winners and the fact right. you know, so they so they decide and so they finally reach Josie Wales and they're getting ready to track him down and kill him. And then the, the the leader of the red legs says, And then we'll go and get all the rest and and his compadre says, I thought we were just gonna get Wales and that was it. And he goes, no, doing good ain't got no end. And that's the <laughs> no, that's thing. True. It, it doesn't does have really an end. You yeah. can just
0: keep going and doing it good. It has no end. No, it's it's, it's it's just such a strange formulation. It's a, I sort of, when If you ask somebody how they are, and instead of saying, I'm fine, thank you, they say, I'm good. I wince. But that's American, have, isn't it? Yeah, but, well, that's
4: the Americanization of the It is, but, but I, even
0: so, it, it, I just think, no, you can't say that. You're, you're not the, you're not the judge of that. No.
4: But, I mean, they don't mean they're good, do they? they no, mean they don't, but it
0: sounds as if they do. Speaking like, of councils, I've mean, got one for you. Since you've right.
4: got Oxford South Cambridgeshire District Council uh, apparently is going to agree tomorrow to let all of its desk-based employees reduce their working hours by 20% for the next year without loss of pay. So rather than giving them a pay rise, which they can't afford, they're telling them to work less. I think this is going to catch on in this country because we now are a nation,
0: in my view, of people who don't want to go to work. Yes, but there's a wonderful there's a wonderful poem uh, by Rudyard Kipling called "The Gods of the Copybook Headings," uh, in which the end result of this uh, is stated. Well, the gods of the copybook headings they stump up to the front of the room and explain right. how life really works, and if you don't work, you starve. Well, that's right. And as a country, well, that's that why we're starving. We, that is what we will eventually do if we if we keep turning away from work. The wow. idea that we can just stop working. Mm. Uh, you just become poor. And I I think one of the the very striking things about Britain at the moment is how poor yeah. it is becoming yes. uh, by comparison with other advanced countries mm. uh, the, the, the level of uh, the, the level of services the the, the quality of the, the goods the quality of the transport, the quality yeah. of, of life in general is declining mm. very fast. It is and it has well, a we'll lot to do to that. with that, that economic It really surrender.
4: does. I'm, I'm so glad we've come on to that because we'll talk about that some more in a moment Peter Hitchens is here from the Mail on Sunday uh, we'll take a little break. We'll be back with more from Peter Hitchens after this.
3: On DAB Plus on the app, Talk Radio and Talk TV.
4: Welcome back to the Independent Republic of Mike Graham right here on Talk TV. Uh, lots going on today. Uh, we've got plenty to talk about. We've got lots of you uh, on our poll now pledging allegiance or not to the King. Uh, apparently, at the moment, 71% of you say you will not be pledging allegiance to the mm-hmm. King, uh, which is probably not that surprising. But let's see if that changes over the course of the day. You can go to Twitter at Talk TV uh, and vote on that particular poll. Um, let's talk a little bit, shall we, um, about in praise of the suburbs, which was the other piece you oh, wrote this, yeah. uh, uh, this week, which was another kind of, I suppose, a cri de cur about you know the the the, the, the snobbery of uh, of the middle classes. Wasn't well,
0: it? yes, I mean it was, it was following the, the the death of Barry Humphrey. As yeah. I say God rest his soul and my condolences to all his friends and family. But I thought that he was a very um, a divisive uh, comedian, not some sort of mm. universally loved figure. Yeah, and I thought that the character of Edna Everidge was a, really basically a long, long revenge on his mother for having, his own mother, having yeah. made him tidy his bedroom at right. some point. Right, and the uh, the the, te- the teenage pseudo intellectual um, who feels cramped by the suburbs. Well, okay, we're all very sorry and sympathetic, but in fact, Humphrey's his parents paid for him to have a very expensive private education, and Uh, music lessons Mm. uh, and lessons in painting and also these supposed Philistines and also paid for him to have a charge account right. at the best bookshop in Melbourne. Mm. So it, I, and I just felt looking, you, you, if you have time to read the, the, the Times obituary of Barry Humphreys, mm. it's fascinating yeah. about a very interesting and, and a checkered life, I have to say, which a lot of which I won't go into. But it was quite noticeable on more than one occasion, the, uh, the Anti-Suburban Act, which eventually became his, his great success, flopped mm. on television. And I think it flopped because a lot of people didn't find it that funny. Yeah. Uh, but ultimately, what you might call the cultural, um, the cultural elite, uh, seemed to have got behind him enough for him to him to become a, an acclaimed success and officially funny. This concept of being officially funny is quite interesting. It is interesting. If you uh, do, you remember um, Simon Hoggart? yes, uh, the Guardian sketch writer. Yes. Uh, he once wrote, and I've been trying to find it. If anybody can find it, please let me know. He wrote a very, very uh, honest piece about, the. I think, the first time he appeared on the news quiz on right. Radio 4. Right. And the great Barry Cryer, the comedian, was, on, was I think, on it at the time. I think it was the news quiz. And Simon's jokes, which were perfectly, I've no that, perfectly good, were falling flat with the yeah. audience because they didn't know what to make of him. Right. And then Barry Cryer somehow or other metaphorically put his arm around him and made people laugh at him. And after that, he'd become officially funny. Yes. And after that, all his jokes were laughed at. right. Well, well, it's so, likely, well, something it's similar to... happened to Johnson, yeah. former prime minister. He was made into a, a, a national figure of, of, of comedy by Have I Got News for You. Yeah. Yes, I know he can tell jokes, but basically it's one joke—the mm. Rumpled PG Woodhouse character. It's, yes, it, it's if you. Well, you remember the. Um, it's, um, it's not that good, but he was he was turned into this officially funny superstar, yeah. and, and ended up as a result as prime minister, for heaven's yeah. say. But this is why people... Many people would say it should never have happened.
4: Yeah, well, that's right. I mean, even some Tories are now saying it should never have happened. Yeah, I know. They're slowly bringing themselves to that conclusion because they can't quite... It's a bit like the arguments people have around Donald Trump. You know, if you hate Donald Trump, you don't want him to do anything. You don't want to acknowledge anything that he did was any use at all um, and you really don't want to see him back in the White House. The only other possible view is the complete opposite to that, which is that everything he did was brilliant uh, and they want him back. There's no way in the middle that you can sit and say, well, no. you know, some of the things he did were actually quite useful, um, but maybe it's not a great idea to get him back in.
0: Yeah, well, that you've opened up a whole different different subject there. But yeah, I, but it's I, the same I struggle. <laughs> no. I struggle to find anything good about Donald Trump. Well, the
4: world appeared to be a safer place um, when he was president, and that may just be a... Uh, 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 a subject of of the day. I, I mean, he may just mind. have been lucky. I think he Some, may, he may some have of the things I'm just that seeing he, a breaking news story saying s- he's going to land in Aberdeen shortly. So, well, there are. we are. You start the, talking about him,
0: and suddenly he appears. That'll be fun.
4: Yeah. No, but I think with comedy, you're absolutely right. It's political now, comedy. Well, it's partly yeah. political. I think there with is a, a, there is a pe- great
0: loathing of the suburbs yeah. among the... The, the that, cognoscenti. as my father used to the, call the Well, the, the, the Bobos, the bourgeois bohemians, yeah. all the people who actually grew up in the suburbs right. and then went to university were, as we're told, I was the first uh, member of my family ever to go, went to university... Uh, ...turned their backs on their origins and Mm. became ashamed of them... ...and wanted to, to, to live metropolitan lives far from the Acacia Avenue... And, and they despise mm. above all and dread above all the suburbs. Yeah. And I think that's what made, made, made Barry Humphreys and Edna Everidge appeal to yes. them so much. I think it appealed to everybody. And I just wanted to put in a note, I, I, I get tired of this suburbophobia. Mm. I live in the suburbs. I like the suburbs. I think suburbs are great. Uh, and I think they are a very, very good compromise between city life and urban mm. life. And, and uh, I think a lot of very good people live in them. And if you didn't have suburbs then the country would would, would be poorer mm. in many ways. So I'm against this constant moaning about yes. the suburbs, and mockery of the suburbs, and mockery of respectability, yes. and mockery of people who, who, who want to get you to tidy your room, because right. actually those people keep society going.
4: Yes, they do. And they're vastly in the majority, by the way, as well, because you only hear from the smaller minorities. Like all these kind of just-stop oil protesters in the Extinction Rebellion yeah. Brigade, they all come in on trains from... Tunbridge Wells and places like oh, that, and probably oh, Oxford. Yeah, I'm, um, I'm, I'm, you know, to complain well about their lot because they don't have anything to worry about because their parents are exceedingly wealthy. Uh, they've got lovely big houses in the suburbs, probably, um, and they drive around in very nice cars. This is often the case. I think
0: quite 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 a few of them may even not not, not live in the suburbs because they can afford to, to live in the real countryside. The real I countryside, think, yeah. Which is a, which a, nobody,
4: a, nobody can afford to live in. and well, 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 there's also
0: some snobbery towards the suburbs. Of
4: course. Yeah, there absolutely is. Well, everybody hates a suburban, don't they? Um, not I. No, um, I am really well. Really you, I think, should become suburb. the poster boy for the suburbs. I mean, that may be that may be the future for you. <laughs>
0: The is I have a sort of bourgeois bohemian background of, of my own, so I'm not, I'm not the ideal suburban dweller, I suppose, in most people, I, I just happen to think yes. that if, if you're realistic and truthful, the suburbs yeah. are the place to be. But like all um, proper people,
4: individuals, you know, you've led a life which is actually quite interesting, and you're not somebody who's going to just do what everybody else does. I mean, I have a slight kind of personality defect in that when everybody starts doing something, I immediately want to do something else, even if I might quite like what they're doing. You, you actually do that. Do I you? do Are actually. You? I am. I'm sort of a group phobe, if that's the word. Oh, I I'm just. Like a, I'm groups. just a
0: not doing what I don't want to do. Uh, no, I'm. I, I'm, if, I'm if, genuinely. If, if what they do? If, if if they're doing something I like, I'll do it. It's not. It, no, I
4: genuinely it, don't like groups of, of people doing anything. I don't want to be in one. You know, if I go on holiday, I don't want to get a bus bus to the hotel. You know, I just don't want to be part of any yeah. kind of group. It's. it's, it's but that's because you want
0: to get a taxi.
4: Well, it's that's. It's partly that. <laughs> okay. I mean, I once rented a car in Cos. Um, drove it to the hotel, parked it in the car park for seven days and drove it back to the airport. Purely so as not to go on the bus. Yeah, just didn't... didn't. Well, that's just shame. And every day we were like, should we go somewhere now? Can't be bothered. I mean, there was quite a nice fort that we could have gone to. There was a boat we could have taken, but we just never got in the car. You hadn't gone on holiday to do things, had you? No, I had literally gone on holiday to do nothing, nothing. which is the kind of holiday I like. Anyway. There we are. We appear to be out of time. Um, Happy coronation to you. Will you be watching it live?
0: Oh, I think, I think I'm think i obliged. I mean, I, I, for some reason, I haven't been invited. Shocking. Just as my peerage has still not come through. That is that. shocking. Mind you, they have invited Sinn Féin, but, so... Uh, well, I
4: know. You're probably better off That's not very, going.
0: Very moving, very moving <laughs> moment, but not necessarily in a good way. <laughs>
4: They won't be pledging allegiance because they haven't so far. Anyway, uh, nice to see you. Thank you very much indeed. Uh, We'll take some more of your calls. And, of course, uh, we will be talking some more about the pledging of allegiance. Will you be doing it? Vote in the poll for us today. Uh, We'll bring you the results of that shortly. Carol Sakura coming next.
3: Online on DAB Plus, Talk Radio and Talk TV.
4: Welcome back to the Independent Republic of Mike Graham right here on Talk TV. It is Coronation Week, of course. We've got a poll going on. Will you swear allegiance to the king? Yes. 29%. No. Uh, 71% so far, so uh, do keep us updated, do keep voting if you haven't voted yet, uh, go to our Twitter page, at Talk TV, and you can tell us whether you'll be doing it. It's part of the kind of ceremony of the coronation on Saturday. Uh, At some point or other, uh, the oath will be read out. And you will, if you wish to, speak along with it. Uh, if you wish to stand up, you can do that. If you wish to go uh, walking around and listen to it on some headphones, you can do that as well. I don't think you have to stand up while ple- uh, ple- pledging allegiance, but um, many of you say, "Nope, we're not interested in doing it." So we shall see. Oh three four 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 nine nine one thousand. Don't forget, you can subscribe to the Independent Republic of Mike Grant podcast so you never miss a moment from the show. Subscribe to it and download it from wherever you get your podcast. Right now, though, uh, we're going to talk to Professor Carol Sikora. He is, of course, Medical Director uh, of the Rutherford Cancer Centres. Let's talk now to him because for the first time, um, cancer nurses are out on strike. Uh, I walked past the picket line outside of Guy's Hospital this morning uh, and there were only two people on it. I don't know whether that's going to increase throughout the course of the day, but a lot of people think this is the final straw. They shouldn't really be doing it. Uh, Carol, a very good morning to you. Morning. Thanks very much indeed for joining us. I mean, we were only speaking last week about the cancer crisis in this country and the slowness uh, with which people are being treated and the waiting lists are getting longer. I mean, this strike is just not going to help that problem, is it?
1: No, uh, there's no doubt. I mean, it's not perhaps quite as bad as the media might make out simply because it's a bank holiday. And normally back holidays, we don't do routine chemotherapy. So yeah. there are not a whole load of patients booked for today. The real problem though, Mike, is that the systems all over the country are working at capacity? There's right. so many slots for chemotherapy in a day, and if there's any, if if there's a gap for it, just a morning off somewhere, maybe tomorrow morning there'll be slowness in picking up. Yeah. It means you get backlogs, and we're already in the biggest backlog I've ever seen in 50 years being qualified as a doctor for cancer because of COVID. So everything just piles up.
4: Yeah, it does. It, And um, interestingly enough, you know, you say that one of the reasons it won't be as bad as it might have been is because, of course, um, it's a bank holiday, which makes me think of uh, the question, why do they do such little work on a bank holiday? Because if you've got the backlog, surely you would want to use that time to catch up.
1: We've talked about this before. People don't mind coming at 10 o'clock at night for things. If you had to have a CT scan, for example, you were told you could have it tomorrow at 10 o'clock or you can wait six months. What would you choose? Obviously, you'd have it tomorrow. night. Of course you would.
4: Yeah. I've never I've never understood, Carol, why, you know, um, these nurses who complain so much about their conditions um, because there aren't enough of them. Uh, can still come back and work as sort of locum nurses or come back as agency nurses and still do the same work, but they just want to do it for more money. I don't object to them being paid more money. I just think they should work more.
1: Uh, uh, Some way of... Getting rid of the, the big backlog, nothing to do with strikes, but the COVID backlog, it involves paying overtime to mm. people. That's the only way it can be done. Sure, you can get a bit of efficiency savings, but on the whole, it's just running the place at night. You go out any hospital car park at the weekend and it's empty. Yeah. And you go during the week, you can't find a space. No. So it's telling you something's wrong with the system.
4: Well, I know that every single time I come to work at the weekends because I walk past Guy's Hospital, as you probably know, um, every time I come in. And at the weekends, it's like a dead zone. There's literally nobody around. You know, whereas during the week, it's busy. There's, car- there's people being pushed around on wheelchairs. There's ambulances emptying people out on stretchers. There's all kinds of activity going on. But suddenly the weekends come Saturday, Sunday, and if possible, a Monday bank holiday. It's just nothing happening.
1: Uh, you're right. And, you know, the comparisons made with the airline industry, where very senior people are working 24-7. You know, you've got jumbo jet pilots flying around the world. Yeah. Um, the whole si- system, the airport, there's an airport director. Everybody's on 24-7. Uh, and some airports go through the night. Gatwick, for example, is an all 24-hour airport. So if you can do that with a professionalism that an airport runs, why can't you do it with a professional for a hospital? Yeah. And, and back
4: to my old refrain as well, Carol, of, of if surely the hospitals were run more efficiently, if the individual health trusts were run more efficiently, you know, Steve Barclay wouldn't have to get involved in the first place.
1: I know. And the bureaucracy is killing it. There's no doubt the bureaucracy is killing the whole system. I mean, interviewing for a doctor now is a complex business. In the old days, you just, it was a five-minute interview. You check the qualifications. You see where they've been trained. They look okay. That's good. And mm. you'll find out if they're any good on the job. But now it's a formality to show you've got sort of covered all the equality issues and so on. And it just takes time. And it takes professional time from senior people that could be actually frontline facing patients which is what the business really is about
4: exactly right and i mean again they're talking about possibly striking all the way through the year until christmas um and whenever they're asked about it they say well it's because people are dying that's why we're going on strike well it can't be helping that can it
1: and you know where's the money going to come from Mm. Um, you know if if you're selling you sit at a market selling eggs for example and the cost of living goes up you increase the price of eggs that's fair enough you're in control of that as a market trader and of course you know big corporations are sophisticated market traders in the public sector you don't have that you're dependent on negotiation uh, you also depended on the fact that how much are you willing to cause disruption to people, yeah. your customers, to, to get your ends. And that's the difficulty. And society's moved on. You know, 50 years ago, when I first qualified, no one would contemplate in the health service going on strike. Right. Nobody would even think, even the cleaners wouldn't go on strike. Right. No one would do it. This is sacrosanct. This is health care. Right. People could die. And they will die because of the nurses strike. we don't know who it's not a direct one-to-one relationship whether someone suffers it's a whole system failure that comes about yes
4: and i think the problem as well is that all the unions have collectively decided that you know if they keep saying it's not about the money um the money becomes an irrelevance in the argument but the money is not an irrelevance in the argument if you keep turning down the offers that they're being given and they say it's because it's not enough money. So they kind of it both ways. I mean, we're hearing this weekend that the head teachers of the country are now going to join the teachers to go on strike. And there was a piece in the Sunday Times saying they're amongst the best paid head teachers in Europe. And yet they're going on strike and they say, oh, it's not about the money. Well, what is it about then?
1: Uh, It's about the system. Everybody, Mm -hmm. left and right, all agree the NHS isn't working as it should work. Uh, The people at the top of the NHS, I call them the high priests because it's a bit like a religion, say it's working perfectly. We put all these billions in here, look, it's all working. You're wrong to criticise it. Cancer patients are being treated very well, for example, compared to Europe. Uh, And yet the critics are, are told to go away. The problem for the nurses and the problem for all the professionals that are striking, which now could include the consultants in the very near future, is that, uh, you know, they're not coming up with a solution. Everyone's coming up with the problems Mm. and those solutions. We've got to get a solution and work together to achieve it. And it may involve paying a bit more. Your solution, 24-7 service, seems to me the best one to overcome all the backlogs. It does. A bit of money, but let's
4: do it. Well, exactly right. And I was reading at the weekend that they're suffering from a shortage of nurses in Germany as well as we are. Um, So there's generally a shortage of nurses all over the place. Why do you think that is?
1: It, it, again, it's a societal change. You know, nursing used to be in high esteem by everybody. Mm. It was a, a profession you went into. There was a sort of calling. My wife's a nurse. So I have to say that, mm. and uh, <laughs> you know, it was something you wanted to achieve. But now it's just a, a job. It's a, you know a business the whole health service healthcare professionals a, a lot of aggression in there partly because of the failures of the nhs but uh, you know i've noticed over the last 10 years in the clinic there is a lot more it's sort of passive aggression it's not totally unpleasant mm. but it's it's a, why can't i have this why can't i do this in yeah. the past people accepted uh, that the professionals knew what they were doing now they're questioning everything and i guess it's the same when I, when i last bought a house a long time ago yeah i was questioning the lawyers about the transaction which i wouldn't have dared do 50 years ago
4: no i think that's right and i think people are genuinely frustrated as well because by the time they've got to a hospital um they probably unless they've had some kind of um, immediate emergency they probably waited quite a long time to get there and then they get there and have to wait some more time and then nothing perhaps gets done for a while and by the time they see somebody they're sort of at their wits end so it's like the worst possible time to see a patient because the patient is already irritable
1: Absolutely. And when you compare us to European systems, which are universal, just like ours, there's nothing magic about universal healthcare free at the point of care and all the rest of it. So no one goes without, even if they can't afford it. Mm. All across Europe, it's the same. And yet you can be seen... And sort it out within a week mm. if you've got uh, symptoms. Uh, you can't hear. You can't even get an appointment to see your first port of call, your GP, for many people for a few weeks. I, mean, I tried the other day, and it was six weeks for the first available appointment. Yes. Uh, th- this is not how a health service should work.:
4: No, it really isn't. But that, again, I have to keep, I always say this to you every time we speak. You know it doesn't appear to be getting better. If anything, it's getting worse. And you know, Steve Barclay doesn't have a magic bullet, clearly. You can't just hand money out and suddenly make it all better. So what effectively can somebody like yourself recommend that they do?
1: I think the only thing one can do is to recommend we try and really work like the vaccine programme did to get to achieve a task. For cancer, mm. is to get everybody that's quickly diagnosed through that that part of the pathway and then on to treatment to speed it up when i say this in in the high places mm. of the nhs they say it's not as bad as you say carol just uh, actually relax. it is it's, worse. it's not really as bad as you can and we spent all this money on the mm. uh, diagnostic facilities and so on yeah but they shut at five o'clock you know this, mm. this is no good we've got to really move to keep the place open and really get people through
4: yes i think that's right well let's hope that uh, this strike does not uh, hamper anything too much but at least one good thing happened that that was that the courts decided that two days was too much and only one day is going to be the strike so uh, we'll see how it all goes we'll talk to you again soon i'm sure professor carol sakura thank you very much indeed Um, striking nurses working in cancer wards are not now working in cancer wards today as carol says not as bad as you might think because it's happening on a bank holiday yeah but it's still indicative isn't it of what's wrong with the nhs because if they were working on a bank holiday the damage would be worse. Well, why are they not working on a bank holiday? Have you got such a big backlog? How can they afford not to work on bank holidays, for heaven's sake? This is Talk TV.
3: On the app, on your smart speaker, Talk Radio and Talk TV.
4: Welcome back to the Independent Republic of Mike Graham right here on Talk TV. We've got uh, more coming up in this hour from Rupert Bell, uh, our Royal Correspondent. He's going to be joining us to explain uh, just why Prince Harry is coming here for just four hours and why he's offering it back to America uh, almost as soon as the coronation ceremony is actually over. We'll also be talking about the pledging of allegiance, of course, as well, because many of you are voting in our poll, uh, which is currently running uh, slightly against pledging allegiance, you'd have to say, currently 72 to 28 uh, against saying that no we will not be pledging allegiance to King Charles uh in the coronation ceremony. So uh 72.4% now. God this is getting very, very accurate. There's the update. 27.6% say yes we will be pledging allegiance. Well, uh, I've said I won't be, because it doesn't seem to me to be quite the right thing to do. I'm not against the monarchy, I'm not anti-monarchy, I'm very much in favour of them in fact, and I would like to see King Charles having a reasonably long reign. Uh, But I don't particularly want to say, may he live forever. Uh, It all sounds a bit weird to me. 0344 499 1000. Also Norman Brennan's going to join us as well, former police officer, director of the Law and Order Foundation. A few stories over the course of the weekend uh, which have cropped up, including um, a stabbing uh, in Cornwall uh, in a nightclub down there. There, a 24-year-old man's been held by police. Somebody was killed. There was a massive raid on a restaurant in St John's Wood, uh, which is quite a wealthy part of London. It was set on fire uh, by sort of uh, thugs wielding um, pickaxes and baseball bats and, you know, wearing masks and all sorts. 99% of thefts don't end in a charge. And now we've just heard that Just of War wants a day of action to bring London to a standstill. So once again the police front and centre of all of this stuff... Um, And it really is not a great time, I would imagine, to be a police officer and not a great time to be a victim of crime either. Norman, a very good afternoon to you. Welcome.
2: Yeah, good afternoon, Mike.
4: I mean, uh, I don't know where to begin, really. I mean, terrible, um, shocking event down in Cornwall where you would expect that sort of thing doesn't happen. But it's beginning to happen now in every part of Britain, isn't it?
2: Well, in the past few days uh, in Brentford, a man was stabbed to death two miles from where I live. Ten arrested, seven men, three women. In Nottingham this morning, triple stabbing in the city centre. Uh, On Friday, a man was stabbed very seriously injured in Wembley. In Sydenham, a young man fights for life. And as you rightly state, Mm. in Cornwall yesterday morning in Bodmin, eight people stabbed. One has been stabbed to death. Mm. Uh, A 24-year-old man has been arrested for murder. Suspicion of attempted murder and GBH with intent. You're absolutely right. Where, where do we start? Where do we stop? Knife crime out of control. Yeah. Gun crime is on the rise. If you're a victim of theft, the chances of anyone being caught is zero. You can walk into a supermarket, take what you like. The police will rarely ever turn up. Rolex watches in London, 6,000 were stolen last year. I could go on and on and on. Mm. Mike, how many times... Have you and me spoken? I am telling you now, as probably one of the most independent, professionally uh, voiced opinions over 35 years, the streets of Britain are out of control. The police cannot control the streets. 70% of new recruits are leaving because they join the police. They get treated like crap. They get spoken to like crap. 37,000 assaults last year. The management and leadership is the worst I've ever seen. Mike, I don't know where to stop. Because if I don't stop, you and me will be speaking for an hour or two. I
4: mean, I've probably asked you this question before, but I'm not sure um, if I've asked it quite in this way, because I think it'd be interesting to go back and find out when this all started. Because, as you say, the frontline police officers are there to do a job. Uh, They can only follow orders. They can only do what they're told to do. So I've got no truck with them as such. But the management, in particular the management of the Metropolitan Police uh, and other police forces in special measures, must have started to get it wrong quite a long time ago.
2: Not necessarily the police. Yes, the police are partly to blame. Twelve years ago, Theresa May um, started cutting police in. 22,000 frontline Mm. police officers were cut. Tens of thousands of backroom staff were cut. So the few officers that we had left were doing more with less and covering the backroom staff and it was during the past 12 years during these crippling cuts that Theresa May and I, I say this and I'm careful what I say has got blood on her hands mm. along with David Cameron they have destroyed probably the best police force service in the world we've lost experience we've lost the ability to control the streets of Britain And I was a police officer for 31 years. It wasn't perfect. Mm. But I'll tell you one thing, Mike. We took no nonsense. Our style of policing was robust. You phoned the police, we turned up. We took a statement. We investigated your crime. And we we absolutely robustly went after those that committed crimes. The courts even backed us up. Mm. Now the courts have become social workers. The 22,000 police officers that we lost... And during that 12 years, as you ask, is when policing lost the streets. Too many senior police officers have become woke and it's about diversity and all of the other issues, which are a concern. But the only concern that the public and victims of crime have is where's the police? I don't feel protected. When I'm a victim of crime, they don't turn up they don't take statements. When I'm a victim of a burglary, I feel infiltrated. I feel frightened. I want to be reassured. I want someone to turn up and challenge those that burgled me. I have lost possessions that to me are priceless and irreplaceable and to the offender might be a quick fix down the pub. Mm. It is chaos. The criminal justice system in Britain is out of control. We've lost the streets and we need 20,000 more police officers. And if you don't listen to someone like me, maybe I am an old fart. Well, but For 43 years, I've seen the criminal justice system fall apart.
4: And it's not just the police, is it? It's what goes on... Beyond the police, because even if you are charged with a crime and even if you do get a court date, there's a pretty good chance that when you turn up for that court date, the barristers who are supposed to be prosecuting you aren't there or maybe your barrister isn't there. The case gets dismissed. You know, you're probably very unlikely to go and do any time in prison. If you do go to prison, you won't be there for very long. You'll get out. You know, so the whole system seems to be creaking. You know, no bit of it, a bit like the NHS, no bit of it seems to be working.
2: It's in chaos, Root and Branch. I Mm. recall seeing a case where I think a young girl was raped um, at the age of 15, and before it went to court, she was 19 years of age, an adult. What sort of trauma do you think she would have faced? I saw a case in Scotland the other day, Mike, where a 17-year-old, he's now 21, um, raped a 13-year-old girl a number of times. Mm. He was given 270 hours of community payback. Police officers are GBH'd. And offenders walk Mm. out of courts with a slap across the wrist and a suspended sentence. And if you can't actually protect the protectors that are protectors of society, then what hope has the public Mm. got? 20% of people, Mike, I'm just getting so frustrated with all this. 20% of people don't leave their homes at night through fear of being Mm. a victim of crime on the streets, or if they leave their home, being burgled and having their possessions stolen. Oh, certainly. I mean, I said
4: to my kids, you know, if you're coming up to London, you know, don't wear an expensive watch, uh, don't wear any watch, probably, preferably, and don't stand around holding your phone because somebody will literally run off with it. And that is an actuality now.
2: It, it, It is. If you want me to explain the criminal justice system in medical terms, I have stated a number of times that it's on life support. Yeah. Let me tell you where it is now, Mike. The family have been called and they're around the bed. Mm. We either take all of the crimes, and there isn't one particular crime that's more serious than another that uh, we've discussed today that doesn't destroy people's lives. I've lost count of the number of people, young men particularly, lying in mortuary slabs. Mm. I've lost the count of young people maimed. Yesterday, eight people stabbed in one incident, one dead in a part of Cornwall, as you say, which is picturesque and lovely. It's not just a London problem, it's a nationwide problem. And yes, we're talking all about the coronation now, or coronation. We talk, we talk about Brexit, we talk about being politically correct. What we don't talk about is how the hell can we make the streets of Britain safe? And when you live in a society where you don't feel safe walking the streets or in your own home and you never see the police, that is akin to just this side of anarchy. Is that what we want on the streets of Britain? Because if we don't, we need 20,000 more police officers Mm. and want the public to regain the lost confidence. I'm afraid at the moment it's like, Headless chickens running everywhere with their arms flapping in the air saying, my God, I never knew that the criminal justice system and my safety will be so bad on the streets of this wonderful country of ours. Yeah,
4: I know. I mean, the funny thing is, is you see an awful lot of police at certain things. For example, over the weekend, uh, there was a sort of one of these trans rallies versus, you know, feminists uh, at Hyde Park Corner. There was a bit of scuffling, but there was an awful lot of police. Doing uh, policing of that event. Similarly, we saw that ridiculous sort of uh, circus like charade when we saw all those cops cycling and running ahead of Rishi Sunak's motorcade. And whenever these just stop oil nutters get involved with anything, there's always loads of police. Are they being deployed wrongly, do you think?
2: It's a difficult one, really. I mean, any public um, processions, the police have actually got to, to attend. Yeah. But you're right. Do you know what? I don't care what sex someone is, whether you're a senior police officer, whether you're trans, whether you're bi, whether you're uh, heterosexual, whether you're gay, lesbian. I personally don't give a toss. That is your choice. Don't ram it down my throats every day or the British public. I want to see these marches reduce, become lawful rather than unlawful. They're making motorist lives a nightmare and the police are standing by and it's not their fault They're actually doing the job and the law lords have told them that uh, unless it's causing serious uh, disruption, you can't do anything about it. What you don't hear Mike about is all these police officers, the ones that are on the brink of leaving to become bus drivers and train drivers and just to get out the job. Only last week, firearms officers attended uh, a stabbing where somebody nearly died. They put their fingers inside the knife wounds to stem the flow of blood they save that life that is the job that frontline police officers want to do when you join a service mike to protect society attend their calls deal with their injuries deal with their crime concerns and you're not able to do it then you just don't enjoy that job and you're on your toes and we have so many new officers They're inexperienced. We've lost all the last uh, uh, senior police officers, senior PCs, very few senior people with experience to train the new ones. The criminal justice system is in a mess. It's out of control on root and branch. And I'll be quite honest, unless we get 20,000 more police officers and unless we invest in the criminal justice system, I'm afraid we will have absolute chaos on our streets. If not anarchy in the years to come. Yeah.
4: Well, didn't Sibel Pravman say that she'd reached a target of hiring twenty thousand more cops? I don't know where they are. I don't know where they've come from or where they've gone. Uh, but that's what she claimed last week, I think.
2: Uh, you, you'll probably remember in amongst this interview, the retention rate is uh, seventy so seventy percent mm. are leaving. There are those that uh, just cannot wait to retire. There are thousands on sick leave through assaults and mental stress. The police service have become the aunt sallies of society. And it's all right saying we have hit certain figures, but it's a bit like a sieve, Mike. If you throw 20,000 police officers into a sieve, hmm. you've hit your target, but if 70% of those 20,000 police officers fall through that sieve, where are they? And when you think about it, 12 years ago when we lost 22,000 officers and they were only been given 20,000 back, it's a bit like um, a burglar saying to a victim... Um, I've stolen 22 items, and over the next 12 years, I'll give you 20 back. You're still two less. And not only that, the population of Britain has gone up by millions and millions, and crime has gone up, certainly violent crime, rapes and assaults on women. And just look at that assault on that 13-year-old, raped, 270 hours. Is it hardly surprising women on the streets of Britain do not feel safe?
4: It really isn't. And, and it sounds like the government's policy, that doesn't it? They take money off us and give us some back and expect us to be grateful.
2: But who's going to make a difference, Mike? I, I'm 64 years of age almost. I've 31 years as a police officer, 43 years as a leading law and order campaigner. And I've seen all these political parties. If anybody thinks Keir Starmer or any other... Political party are going to do any better, especially go and have a cold shower. Because I have seen so many different political parties as a police officer, as a young man, mm. and now retired uh, police officer campaigning on law and order. And it's a bit like watching a football or a rugby match, Mike. When you're on the pitch, You try and sort of make the moves that you think will win you the game. But the opposition that are on the sidelines shouting abuse, you should have kicked this, you should have passed, you should have done the other. Yet when they're on the pitch, you've got the uh, people that were once on the pitch shouting the same abuse at them. If only we could, just like when COVID happened, got all our political parties to say, right, we are now going to stop the bickering the arguing the backstabbing the leaking and we're going to concentrate on making the streets of britain back better the streets of britain safe we need moral fibre community spirit and respect that's what we had after world war 2 and we seemed to survive quite well then and there was a lot of neighbourhoodly uh, behaviour now most neighbours don't even look out their windows no. to- What's going on on the
4: streets? Well, never, no, let alone open the door. Norman, it's a depressing subject, I know, but I thank you for your time because it's important that we hear your voice. Former police officer, director of the Law and Order Foundation. Unbelievable what is going on out there on the streets. You know, and we were told just the other day by Kit Malthouse, former policing uh, minister, uh, that crime's down. Well, it isn't, is it? It really isn't. Britain is lawless. It's becoming more lawless. It's becoming more dangerous. People are getting stabbed to death in nightclubs in Bodmin, for heaven's sake. We didn't even really get into the story of a, a, an armed raid uh, of, type, of, of sorts on a, on a restaurant in St. John's Wood in North London um, where people were sitting down to eat and suddenly this mob arrived and started chucking petrol around and setting fires to the place. Unbelievable. Talk Radio talk and Talk TV. Welcome back to the Independent Republic of Mike Graham right here on Talk TV. Terry in Birmingham says, Mike, I will not pledge allegiance to a politically meddling woke climate change hypocrite. He always has and always will. Always has and always will what? I don't know. Uh, Anyway, we've got a poll on the go, uh, which is asking the question, would you pledge allegiance to the king or will you indeed pledge allegiance to the king? So let's have a look at the scores so far. It's running still pretty uh, significantly at 72% no to 28% yes. That's stayed about the same. Pretty much since we put the poll up. It's still up for a, quite a long time though, so if you haven't voted in it yet, go and do it. Go to at Talk TV on our Twitter page and you'll be able to vote. Uh, maybe it will change over the course of time. But Rupert Bell's back. Rupert, um, are you surprised by that? 72%? No?
6: Um, I think it, a bit that, that, that split, 28%, 72%. Um, but just to sort of explain what this Pledge of Allegiance is, because actually, when you look at the Order of the Service and when they printed this thing out, yes. The thing is, it says uh, the the Archbishop will invite those who wish yes. uh, to pledge allegiance, because there will be he will then offer a, a homage to the people, as it said, uh, um I call upon sons of all good. It goes on for a bit, yeah. and then the reply is, if you so wish, in the coronet in the congregation yeah. and wherever you're watching, the reply: I swear that I will pay true allegiance to your Majesty and to your heirs and successors according to the law, so help me God. But Does that the important thing, Harry? Uh, well, <laughs> Does that include Harry? Well, it includes, if he's in there, he will have to do it. But well, what, will he? Um, there'll be a camera on There should be a camera on him. Well, he it may not. He will probably be not given, there will be instructions probably not to spend too much time on <laughs> him. But I'm sure he will pledge allegiance to his father. But the point is, you don't, it's not saying asking people no it's inviting i see that so it's not some orwellian and north korean sort of approach to it Or some well if you're in the if you're in the abbey right
4: um there may be several reasons why you wouldn't pledge allegiance for example if you're a foreign dignitary right yes they won't be pledging allegiance will they will they Um, or will they is pro- the polite well, thing to do? The,
6: if they members are, if if he is one of the fifteen from one of the fifteen countries of which he is head of state, right? They presumably they be, should they should be right. pledging allegiance. Right? How it works in Commonwealth countries who are not, we don't no longer have him as head of state, presumably they don't have to. But right. as they're part of the Commonwealth, there will be some degree it would be of polite allegiance. polite for them to do it.
4: Yeah, I presume the Sinn Fein woman will not do it. Um, Probably not, right. uh, but you don't know. But the other thing about the the reading of that uh, response, right, is that it includes Harry, doesn't it? Because he's one of the heirs. Uh, he what? Well, he's fifth in line to the throne. Yeah, so uh, you're pledging allegiance to Prince Harry as well, if you want yeah. to read that out. I'm not trying to be difficult here. Well, just no, you're, you're, you're pledging allegiance to the, to
6: the king of the yes, time. Yes, and his heirs. Uh, does it That's say what you that? said. Uh, and, and to your heirs. Yeah, well, so then, including Harry. Well... It wouldn't need something pretty remarkable to happen for Harry to end up being an heir. But that might stop some people from doing it. Because the last king to actually um, sire two kings was George V. Right, right. Um, so it's unusual to happen, and particularly yes. now. That well,
4: it would have to be more than it would have to be more than two times down yeah, the road as well. Well,
6: basically, something's got to happen to William. Something's got to happen to George, yeah. and then something's then got to happen to Charlotte and yeah. Louis. So right. that's a fairly dramatic turn of events. And but the interesting thing why he's fifth now because obviously Charlotte now would be automatically third in line to the throne as she is, yes. and it would have been slightly different uh, way back when. So yes, she, because so,
4: women are now treated equally.
6: Uh, absolutely so if if um she was the eldest child of william and kate she would have become our queen yes interesting times but i mean you see where the you can see well, where i can see can you're trying I can i'm see not trying to do anything i'm just trying to get at the facts <laughs> as
4: i always do yeah, well, and the fact remains that if you pledge allegiance to, to king charles you will also be pledging allegiance to Prince you're Harry.
6: you're actually pledging allegiance really to the institution whoever his heir is there is. Yeah. And that's what you're pledging to, because since, ever since time 1066 right. and all that, um, we've pledged allegiance to the king of the time. Now, mm. some of them have been more popular than others. And obviously, to some people, got a view about the king, as, as, as your last uh, uh, texter yes. had there, um, obviously is not totally enamoured of him mm. but it is something the king has been passionate about since 1970 if you saw this documentary on him last yeah. night so it's something yeah, i didn't watch it because i wasn't quite ready for it yet
4: you know i know it's coronation week
3: but well, for mean, me
4: coronation week starts on this show
6: today so well, okay well, everything it's, before it's, that so it's, it's basically all, it's all about you it's only starting at with all
4: you... no it's just <laughs> when the firing pistol is fired it's fired by me normally right. speaking
6: somebody resigns while we're on Okay. But that has not that's unlikely to happen this week. Well, it's a bank holiday today. It, it is. And it could be a quiet week. But all I know is it was a very interesting look. At is it worth m- watching? Actually, I think it is. Because uh-huh. there was some interesting comments that would probably make some people irate by yep. saying... There was a, on the climate change things. We believe scientists on lots of other things. But when we come to climate change, we don't believe the scientific evidence.
4: Well, there isn't any. I mean, but that's another story. There we, you go. You see, we don't believe forward planning models. That's what we don't believe. because but we that, don't know if they will work out
6: to be it is used in that uh, in the documentary. So and Anna's other aspects of his princess trust life and his yeah. caring for the young. Actually, it's a trying to present an all-rounded view of him. Right. And um, I actually found it quite interesting as a, as a sort of under, trying to understand yeah. the purse. Of course, it's got a bit of a puffy element to mm. it and sort of PR spin on it. But at the same time, it was an interesting historical look back at his life from okay. being a young boy to, mm. where, to becoming king okay. last the year. A boy who would be
4: king. And let's mm. talk about Harry because um, he's <laughs> all over the papers. No, nonetheless, no matter how much mm. people might not want us to do so, um, he's only coming for four hours, uh, right?
6: Well, no, he's coming in. He he's going to be at the coronation. I think he comes in on the Friday, probably stay in the night. Yeah. From Cottage um, or elsewhere be, or somewhere, and and then he'll be into into the uh, go into the Abbey, and then presumably, if is is he wants to get out and back, so he can be at Archie's fourth birthday yeah. party in in Montecito. So yeah. um, and. As I say, in many ways, the spotlight will be on him for those. Mm. Well, shouldn't be on him because it should be on his father. I don't think
4: it will be on him, actually, to no. be honest. I mean, I think if he was coming with Meghan, this is why I predicted yeah. correctly that he would come on his own, because if he came with her, then the spotlight would be on them. But I think if he comes on his own, it'll a bit like the, uh, uh, the funeral yeah, of it, Prince it, Philip it, when he came on his own um, and, you know, not that yeah. much fuss was made of him. Himself.
6: Well, there was a still spotlight on all them talking as they left the St George's Chapel up front. Oh them. yeah, there was.
4: But I mean, there was. It, it wouldn't have been. It would have been different if they would both
6: come there. Yeah, because what can happen easily here is that once the procession starts, all the focus will be on the procession after yeah. the the service. Well, the congregation one will get out. He will probably go as quick as, as possible to wherever, however, he's flying back mm. to Montecito. So it will be a flying visit from him. Um, of course, but the Markles have been in the news again because of the documentary spotlighting other members yeah. of, uh, of Meghan's family. Um, and so, again, they, they are creating yet more stories within yes. the, the framework of How the
4: unusual. coronation. How unusual, unusual, but there we go. Well, listen, we're running out of time, I'm afraid. I can talk to you all day about this, but we'll do it again tomorrow, shall we?
5: Across the UK, online and on DAB, the independent republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio.
4: If you enjoyed that, be sure to catch the whole show 10 to 1, Monday to Friday on Talk Radio, via DAB, online or via the Talk Radio app. If you have an opinion on the stories we cover, we'd love to hear from you. Call us 0344 499 1000 or tweet at Talk Radio during the show to have your
3: say.